You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher for Locked On to get podcasts on the NFL, the NBA, and uh, golf, fantasy sports as well. There's a Locked On Panthers podcast now back up and running, and it is fantastic with Bill Rossetti giving you a lot of insider information. He is the writer for the USA Today blog on the Carolina Panthers called Panthers Wire. Bill's a smart guy, and, and he really breaks the game down in depth. So if that's the kind of experience you're looking for, if you're looking for that in-depth analysis, then you want to check out Locked On Panthers. I'm Doug Branson, all alone in the studio on this Friday. You know, normally we do kind of fun Friday shows, but I want to hold off. I don't want to do it right now. I've got the air horn drop ready, but I'm not going to push the button because I want my whole crew here for fun Friday. David Walker has the day off today, but we've got a great show ahead. Jeremy Lamb, a lot of people interested in what he's going to do this season. A lot of people, not even just in Charlotte, but I think around the league have been waiting a long time for Jeremy Lamb to make the leap ever since he left UConn. So much promise, so lengthy, all the physical tools. Could he put it all together? He was a champion in college. And I think a lot of people in Charlotte are asking that this year. And and if you know, and always to get to the, not, not only to get to the playoffs, but to do what the Charlotte Hornets want to do, which is win a playoff series. It requires one, at least one, but it's nice to have two or three guys significantly improve or make a leap. When they took Miami to the brink, when they got to game seven in that series and almost got to the second round, almost won a playoff series. It was because several players made a significant leap in their production. Steve Clifford talks about that a lot when, you know, he says there's a misconception around that playoff team that they just went out and got a bunch of three-point shooters and that's why they turned into this, you know, amazing offense that could shoot a lot of three-pointers. But it wasn't that. It was guys they already had. Kimball Walker, Marvin Williams, making significant leaps in their game, plus the addition of Jeremy Lin and then Courtney Lee. Those players already that, that were already in the system that had to make that leap, that had to improve their game significantly for the Hornets to, to move in that direction. And Jeremy Lamb is one of those guys who is primed to do that. So we're going to talk about him in a moment, plus Dwight Howard. First day in Charlotte was yesterday. Flew to Charlotte, getting ready for the season, and he did something pretty spectacular for the community. So we will we'll shout him out later on in the show. I don't know if you have a podcast app yet. If you're listening to this, maybe on Audio Boom, or you're just listening to it on the Twitter post, or maybe you're not really satisfied with your podcast app. But let me suggest Overcast. It's our favorite podcast app, and and we've been sort of hovering around the top of the rankings in terms of sports podcast on Overcast. So if you if you want to try it out, go ahead. It's for iPhone users. Download it and then subscribe to us on there. And then importantly, give us a star. Give those episodes. Click the episode, then click the star. 
and that helps us move up the rankings. It's done some significant things for us already in the offseason. I mean, we're, we're not even, we haven't even played any basketball yet. And some big things are happening. So thank you to everyone who has switched over to Overcast or maybe just get, you know, been, been more mindful to give us stars. We really appreciate all of the support. Before we talk about Jeremy Lamb, though, since I'm all alone, since I don't have David's judging ears listening to me right now, I think I can take a moment to nerd out with you guys, if that's okay. Talk about a little NBA 2K. It released digitally overnight at midnight. You know, I used to be the guy who would like drive to a 24 hour Walmart to pick this game up. And it was that dedicated, loved playing NBA 2K was never been very good at it. I'll admit that, but I always had a good time and I I was always lured in by seeing what the Hornets look like, even in down years. And I think that's the brilliance of NBA 2K. Even if your team's in a down year, I think the Atlanta Hawks right now are going, look, it's, there's no doubt we're going to be be bad this year. But I wonder if Miles Plumley and Marco Bellinelli are the key to unlocking success. Okay, I'll buy NBA 2K and find out. You always want to play with your team. And that's what drew me. So I, I, I was that guy. And then I got really busy with the podcast, with life, getting married, different things happened. And, and you know, video games sort of took a back seat as they, as they naturally tend to do with most people. And I drifted away from NBA 2K or at least the midnight release. You know, sometimes I would pick it up months later, possibly in the, in the next off season, just to kind of toy around with it. But then somebody turned me on to this, this uh, Nintendo Switch. And let me tell you, it's, it's made gaming fun again for me as an adult. It is reinvented. Like, I have an Xbox, and that's fine. But the Nintendo Switch, the handheld... And playing console games on a handheld is, for me, the guy that, that grew up on the NES that beat Mario at age three, to have console-level games in my hand, take it anywhere, on the go, it's a pretty, it's a pretty revolutionary, cool thing. And, and then I, I learned that you could get not only get NBA 2K, but that it was going to be the same NBA 2K that you could get on Xbox One. Because sometimes with Nintendo, you get these, if, if anyone ever knows about Nintendo, you know, sometimes you get these sports games and they're kind of like NBA 2K Lite, essentially. It's not as good as the Xbox One. It's not as good as the PS4. But this one was just as good. That's what they promised. So I downloaded it at, at midnight last night, set the download, and then went to bed. Because these things take hours now when you digitally download. Miracle of technology, let me tell you. But it takes a long time, so I set it, and then I went to bed, and then I got up this morning, and I, I went immediately to the Hornets, you know, play now, Hornets. And comically enough, the lineup was not correct. So it's always, it's always off, I feel like. The Hornets lineup in NBA 2K, always off. This one was Kimball Walker, Malik Monk, Nick Batum, MKG, Dwight Howard. Good sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. Kimba Walker, Malik Monk. And I think it's set just by pure rating, but I think they could have taken a poll of a lot of Hornets fans and come up with that lineup. MKG at the four? Oh, yeah. Malik, starting Malik Monk year one? Oh, yeah. They definitely did not poll head coach Steve Clifford. I could be wrong, but I don't feel like that's going to be the start. I mean, he's already, he's already promised his starters. 
They don't read the Charlotte, the, the NBA 2K. Ronnie at NBA 2K doesn't read the Charlotte Observer. And that's fair. Try, try, try again. But yeah, it was fun, by the way. That's my, my, I played it for maybe 10 minutes this morning. And I played it handheld, and it's amazing. Um, so I'll, I'll have, maybe I'll have more thoughts later when I can dig into the game. But it's just a miracle of technology that I could play console level NBA 2K in my hands. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to nerd out with you guys for a second. I appreciate that. Maybe maybe you don't like 2K. Maybe you're not into video game basketball. Uh, so I appreciate you at least hanging with us there. Now, let's talk about some real basketball. Jeremy Lamb is a player that I think is a little polarizing. I think like you really love him and love his potential and you lo- like when he gets 18 rebounds against the Knicks last year, you go, "Yeah. Like Jeremy, that's 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 what I've been waiting for." Or you sort of take the 30,000 foot view of Jeremy Lamb and say, man, you know, he just can't, I don't know if he can, you know, two years ago was, I don't know if he can put a whole season together. And then there were portions of last season where you go, I don't know if he can put a game together where he is both competent offensively and defensively and doesn't severely hurt you in one of those areas. So I think he's very polarizing, but uh, he is. A bench wing entering his sixth year in the league, third with the Hornets. He's in the second year of a three-year, $21 million deal. So in his second year coming up, he's got one more year guaranteed on his contract. By every measure, except three-point percentage, Jeremy Lamb played better offensively than he has at any point in his career, rated very good by Synergy. And he got better as the year progressed, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But that's important to understand about Jeremy Lamb is that the year overall last year was an improvement, but he also improved throughout the year. And that's something that, you know, takeaways from Coach Clifford, like what is he like, what is he not like, you know, kind of uh, turn-ons, turn-offs. I think he loves guys who get better throughout the season, who show that Steady progression. It's not, oh, you know, they're up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. No, it's guys who come in at game one as player A and exit as player A+. So let me go back to that three-point percentage, though. It's been declining since he shot 35.6% his second year in the league. It fell to under 30% last season. But to his credit, it seems like he's, he's understanding this because his three-point attempt rate has been declining over the last three years as well. So he's not hitting the, the dreaded you know three-point percentage declining, three-point attempt rate either staying the same or increasing. And that's what will drag your efficiency down significantly. No, instead, he's, a, he's kind of adapted his game. And because of that, he set a career high last season in PER, true shooting percentage, and effective field goal percentage. Career highs. He was one of the more effective Hornets last year, finishing at the rim. A lot of that due to some added bulk, some added strength, some taking care of his body. And he also improved his game significantly in the mid-range. It was a familiar sight to see the ball swing to Jeremy Lamb, shot fake. You saw this guy, shot fake, one-two dribbles. For a 15-footer. That was a go-to move for Jeremy Lamb. The, the catch-and-shoot three, less so. It was also a common occurrence for those two dribbles to turn into 10. 
18.7% of Lamb's field goals were after six seconds of receiving the ball. He liked his touch time. Compared with 9% from Nick Batum, and that's the guy he would, you know, he started five games last season. That's the guy he would sub in for. And 14% team average. So six seconds plus touch time, 14% was the team average. And that fluctuated. You know, Zeller's not going to have a ton of touch time. Kimba's going to have a ton of touch time. But you want your swing, you want your wing to, to kind of move the ball. Ball movement, very important to Steve Clifford. Doesn't want that ball to hang. He preaches it, preaches ball movement, but he also preaches making the right basketball decision. And if I think, if I had to guess, if I had to speculate, I and and, and maybe I'll, I'll ask this the next time I get an opportunity. But if I had to speculate, I would think that Steve Clifford would put making the right basketball decision over ball movement. You know, because normally ball movement is the right basketball decision. You want the ball, the ball moves faster than the player. You can you can shift the defense, you can confuse the defense, you can get people in in positions that they are uncomfortable with, and that's when scoring opportunities open up. But let me say this. Lamb's field goal percentage shot up to 51% after six seconds. He was a great creator for himself on the ball last season. He was great at, at sort of dribble, dribble, probe, dribble, dribble, you know, get open, fire up a mid-range, or get inside. It's not a game that is sort of uh, loved by analysts, by people who watch a lot of basketball. You know, everything's shifting towards the three-point line. But I think Lamb understood, maybe, that, I mean, at least it's evidenced in the stats, that his three-point game was, was abandoning him. He shot, I think, 35% his second year in OKC, and it just went down, down, down since, for whatever reason. And he shifted his game in response. I mentioned his season improved as time went on. He had a stellar post-All-Star break that really has Coach Clifford excited about his prospects for this season. His field goal percentage, this is pre-versus post-All-Star break, okay? Field goal percentage went from 44 to 48.6. His three-point field goal percentage, which I just sort of canned, in that in that last little segment there, it went up to 25.9 pre-All-Star break to 31.1. 31, not great, but respectable. Certainly not sub 30%. True shooting percentage went from 53 to 57.7. Free throw percentage went from 80.7 to 93.7. Look at Jeremy Lamb with his hair on fire! A lot of guys improved their free throw shooting in that second half of the season for the Hornets. They actually, the Hornets ended the season leading the league in free throw percentage. Something they struggled with early on. I mean, there were some, there was just some inexplicable free throw missing happening, happening at the beginning of last season. Something tells me inserting Dwight Howard in the lineup may affect that. I don't know. They, they may struggle to lead the league in free throw percentage this season. All right, for Lamb, defensively, it was a lot of the same story that we've seen from Lamb in, in his few years in Charlotte and also in, in Oklahoma City as well. A lot of the same 
you know, inattentiveness, mistakes, lack of discipline, you know, simple stuff, not putting himself between the man and the basket at times. His 1.023 points per possession allowed was good for ninth percentile in the league, a poor rating from Synergy Stats. He saw a majority of spot-up possessions on defense, and he didn't do well with them at all. A lot of late closeouts, over-pursuits that led to open threes or drives to the basket. Or in the case of the game he started against Chicago, I don't know if you remember this one, March 13th, I believe. It was early mid-March. Fouled Dwayne Wade on two pump fakes on pivotal possessions. He was starting for Nick Batum and had those defensive breakdowns. And then there was another defensive breakdown where he should have had Rajon Rondo coming off a screen. He he was the help guy for Kimball Walker. Didn't help. All of those were called out in the postgame as mistakes. That game actually was, I think, a great narrative on the the two sides of Jeremy Lamb and probably why he's a polarizing player to fans and a polarizing player to watch in general. He shot 10 of 17 that night, scored a career-high 26 points. Normally, nominally good. Normally, that's a night to be celebrated for a bench wing to come in and give that kind of contribution. Same thing. When he started, 18 rebounds against the Knicks. He would do fantastic things in in one area. But But head coach Steve Clifford made it very clear after that game that none of that matters. 10 of 17, 26, quote, career high, unquote. None of that matters if during the most crucial, pivotal points in the game, you're not helping your team win by getting a late game stop. You know what? We're learning the hard ways, but we got some guys that they think they're doing okay and they're not. They're not. They're not. Doesn't matter how much you score if your team doesn't play well when you're on the floor. The bright spot tonight <laughs> was Jeremy in the starting lineup. Is he becoming the Offensively, he did a good job. He played a good offensive game. Yep. Offensively, he played a good game. If you don't know anything about Steve Clifford, he doesn't call players out in the media. That's not his style. Never been. Very much, I think, he, he understands, like, that's that will, as a lot of coaches will tell you, that, like, will ruin a connection in a locker room. But I don't think it's unfair to say that it was the closest that he's come to personally calling out a player. Jeremy Lamb seemed to have, he seemed to have solved his inconsistencies over the course of an 82-game season, because two seasons ago, that was the big story. He just he just got in the doghouse late in the year, couldn't get on the floor, was not a factor in that playoff series at all. Got some garbage minutes in, in a couple of the victories, but that one earned a couple of the blowout losses too to the Heat. And then we find out in that next offseason that it's because he wasn't taking care of his body. This was something that he admitted. Wasn't getting enough sleep, wasn't eating correctly, wasn't doing the things you need to do to you know, maintain your, your physical shape. NBA basketball is, is very difficult on the body. All kinds of wild stories about what LeBron James does to, to maintain his body over an 82 game season. It's scientific. It's his body is created in a laboratory. And, and, and Jeremy Lamb's body was not, he was, he was not, uh, he was not keeping that temple, but he admitted it. That was the first step to change. 
he adjusted, and he seemed to solve that last season, as evidenced by his stats post-All-Star game break. I think this year, his challenge will be to solve the inconsistencies in his game, game to game, in a game, in one game. So showing up in those opportunities that he will get to start. Because I think those opportunities will come. Nick Batum seems to have sort of one or two games where he has a weird injury, tweaks something, ankle, has some ankle and foot stuff. And Jeremy Lamb always seems to get an opportunity to start. And I think his size and wanting to keep Malik Monk and his scoring on the bench, I think will lead to Jeremy Lamb getting called and Malik Monk's height issue, you know, pairing him alongside Kemba. Could that work? I don't know. NBA 2K seems to think it works. But I think Lamb gets the start. You know, if, if Nick Batum were to, to have to leave for a game or two. Can he show up in the first quarter, knock down a few shots, get in an offensive groove, but also in the fourth quarter, maintain his defensive awareness, go after a loose ball, come up with a big turnover. That will be the challenge for Jeremy Lamb this season, I think. I think he may have some opportunities to start at the three position as well if, if these rumors are true. The word out is he's put on even more strength in the offseason. Could he play some backup three as well? Right now, the only guy technically behind Michael Kidd Gilchrist is Trevion Graham. Could Jeremy Lamb steal some minutes at the backup three? He'd be a little undersized, but if he has put on strength, if he's willing to put in the work defensively, then I think it brings up some interesting lineup combinations at that point. Then you can add some, you can add some more offensive firepower to that bench. But the questions for him will be, can he improve his three-point shot? Can he find a competitive, because let me say this, because he, I think he proved last season that he can be a very effective player without the three-point shot. But, but it's still just such a crucial tool in the tool belt. And I think that after last season, the word is kind of out that, that he struggles from the three-point line. So I think opportunities will be there. Open shots will be there for Jeremy Lamb. And if he knocks them down, sort of a James Johnson situation. I remember two seasons ago sitting behind the bench for a Raptors-Hornets game and Steve Clifford <laughs> saying, you know, you, you there's this principle in, in NBA basketball, like you guard guys from where they can shoot. So, you, so if a guy is traditionally just doesn't want to or doesn't shoot well from beyond the arc, then you don't guard him there. You do, you do stand back. You let him get that opportunity. If he makes it, you go, all right, well done. And if he makes two or three, you go, okay, now I'm going to adjust this game. But you don't go into that game with that mentality. So James Johnson, not traditionally a great three-point shooter, and they were guarding him close, and, and it, was, it was allowing some things to happen. And, and he was begging them not to guard him there. Like, you guard the guy from where they can shoot. And so that will happen with Jeremy Lamb, I think. It takes, it takes about a season or two for, for scouting reports to, to really catch up, or at least guys to remember. Scouting reports are very quick. Uh, you know, scouts knew Jeremy Lamb, his, his three-point percentage was declining. But for guys to remember that this bench wing in Charlotte, not especially great at shooting three-point shots, that takes some time to remember. Not to bite on that shot fake and give a mid-range. 
So those adjustments will come and how will Jeremy Lamb handle those will be a big, you know, sign about where the season is going for him. But more importantly than, than that, it's can he find a competitive fire and translate it into a court awareness that up to this point in his career seemed to ebb and flow. I mean, that's the story. But it is a great sign that he's piqued Clifford's interest early in this season because there will be a lot of competition at the combo guard forward position. You've got that hot shot first round pick Malik Monk who had no problem dropping long range bombs in college. Like if they need three point shooting, they're going to go to Malik Monk first, second and third. Travion Graham, who turned heads as one of the best and most aggressive players at Orlando Summer League, he's there too. He certainly doesn't have a problem with competitiveness. He showed that in Orlando. Putting his head down, doing whatever it takes, getting into a stance, not making mistakes. It's one thing to be competitive. It's another thing. It's a second level to go, okay, I'm, I'm competitive, but I'm also, I'm keeping my wits about me. I'm making the right play. I'm not making a mistake. And then you've got Dwayne Bacon. I haven't talked a ton about him yet, but he had a great summer league too. And, and a lot of people are calling him one of the steals of last June's draft, getting him so late. The Hornets trading back to acquire him in the 50s when a lot of people thought he should go first couple of picks in the second round. Savvy moving there by Rich Cho. And Bacon has a lot of the same skills that Lamb made a signature last season. Mid-range game, check. Craftiness cutting off the ball, check. Aggressive drive and finish, check. So if Bacon can come in and show that maybe he has a defensive ability that wasn't showcased as much in college, is competitive, doesn't make mistakes, then he could challenge for minutes. So this, I think this is a crucial year for Jeremy Lamb, and I, I don't doubt that he understands that. Otherwise, uh, I, you know, why would you put on strength in the offseason? Why would you continue to work on your body? I don't know. Bottom line is this, guys. Jeremy Lamb's offensive game is extremely gifted. Despite drifting away from the three-point line, he's a little bit of an anomaly in this NBA environment where it's three-point shooting is king. It's tough to be efficient. You got to be like DeMar DeRozan level skill to be effective without having a three-point shot, a reliable three-point shot, to not even be a threat. That's the thing. He wasn't even a threat last season. He has the physical gifts to be a good defensive player and has shown flashes of an ability to turn an opponent over and shut down a drive. He, we've seen it. There's tape. It exists. The Holy Grail is out there. If he can put a few more pieces of his defensive game together and take full advantage of the spot starts, he'll surely get this season. In my estimation, Jeremy Lamb could easily, easily be one of the X factors off the bench for a playoffs Hornets for a playoff Hornets team. And in my estimation, honestly, he's one of the guys that I'm looking at that like, can this team compete and get to the second round? I think one of the early signals will be how Jeremy Lamb plays. Malik Monk, Jeremy Lamb, Dwight Howard. Those are my three. If those guys pick it up early and keep it going, oh boy. This could be a fun ride for the Hornets this season. I want to take a quick second to tell you about something we've started here on Locked On Hornets. It's a way for you to get access to more Hornets content, more of our content. 
You can support the show, keep this hive alive, as I always say, and it's only a buck a month. That's it, a buck a month, 99 cents, a cup of coffee every month. Share that with us, and we'll keep providing this free Hornets content every single day, week daily. It's called Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get exclusive interviews, access to content before anyone else. You become what we call a hardcore Hornets fan. We used to say that all the time. That was like our, our log line, our catchphrase. This is a podcast for the hardcore Hornets fan. You can make it official. Check it out. Patreon.com slash LOH and help keep our hive alive. So I just mentioned Dwight Howard, one of my key like X factors signals that this Hornets team could compete in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. He officially arrived in Charlotte yesterday for the 2017-18 season and he had a busy first day. Howard donated $100,000 to start a boys and go- girls club in his name at Star Mount Academy in Charlotte. He surprised the kids in a ceremony yesterday along with Hornets president Fred Whitfield and officials from the boys and girls club. He was joking around with Hugo, who he referred to as Mr. Hornet for the first few minutes. Listen, it's preseason for everybody. He's new. New guy. It's all right. We'll catch him up. Name's Hugo. It's a cool dude. Mr. Hornet. <laughs> I was like, kind of like, <laughs> I kind of like Mr. Hornet. <laughs> it's like, I, you, it, I, I was shooting some, some video of it and like, you can see my camera shake. Because I just, I was, I couldn't, it was uncontrollable when he said it. I had to laugh. Uh, but he was joking around, having a good time. Everyone was. Uh, Dwight has a history of giving back to youth programs, uh, including his time in Atlanta and his hometown. Uh, this was a sizable act, though. $100,000 on his first day in Charlotte. He was traded here. Remember that. This isn't a free agent signing. He was traded here from his hometown team. A lot of emotion there. He's talked about that already, that there's some stuff he's got to work through, figure out what, what, what the hell happened last season. So I think that this is significant in terms of a symbolic act that says, hey, I'm, I'm fully bought into this team. I'm fully bought into this city. I'm not being held hostage by a trade. I don't think it means anything for the, you know, what happens after this contract. Would he stay in Charlotte? Would that even, that's a whole, that's another thing. But I think it's a good sign of his, his sort of uh, mental comfort, spiritual comfort. He talked about that after this. He said, you know, physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, he's in a great place. And I think this was certainly a sign of that. To do it on the first day, something this significant, I think is a big deal. Also, after the event, he said he viewed this opportunity with the Hornets as a chance to, quote, gain back everything that was taken away, unquote. He's looking to win over the hearts and minds of fans. What an interesting quote. Gain back everything that was taken away. We've had two straight shows now, two straight uh, player preview shows, where we've had interesting quotes. Yesterday, it was MKG saying he felt like a rookie. He said, I felt like a rookie again. Let's see what happens next season. It's sort of two, they're, they're, fat, they're both really fascinating quotes to me, but for two very different reasons, or they're two very different quotes, two very different ways to look at things. MKG's was very introspective, where he said, I feel like a rookie. Let's just see what happens next season. Whereas 
and this has kind of been a, a, a theme with Dwight Howard, where it's, he says, I want to gain back everything that was taken away. Like the agency is with other people. They've taken something away from him. Whether it be Coach Budenholzer or James Harden, and and I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm just saying that's this is these are the conflicts that he's had uh, over the years with with different organizations. But he very much views it from these. I think, at least as evidenced by these quotes. But what you also have to understand is that he is motivated, and. I think he's motivated from a very basketball place too. He obviously wants to win over hearts and minds, but I think he understands that to do that, you have to be a factor. You've got to be a factor in the fourth quarter. You've got to be a factor in the playoffs. And that's probably what made him so upset in Atlanta, that he was not a factor in the playoffs. And I, he, I think he cares a lot about what other people, he wants to win hearts and minds. He just said it. He cares about what, what fans think. I don't know if he cares about what we say or what writers write. CJ McCollum obviously does. He was very upset at these rankings. A couple of NBA players have come out very upset about these rankings. We don't cover rankings much on here. I wish I could talk to CJ McCollum and say, listen, they, they, they don't matter. They're, 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 they're a great media game to sort of cycle to keep the news cycle going because they release these rankings and then players with social media get out there and get upset about it and, and get public about it. And then that feeds another set of stories. CJ, you're playing the game. Don't play the game. Be outside the game. You make too much money to play that game. You play NBA game. Don't play media narrative game. Um, all right, back to Dwight Howard. So Dwight is here in Charlotte. We're getting closer to training camp every show next week. We're kicking things off on Monday. It's perfect timing. Monday will be our Dwight Howard player preview. So we're going to dig into the stats. We'll dig into some narratives. We'll figure some things out. That's what this show's all about. And we'll, we have the perfect guy to do that with, Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer. He's been covering this very closely. And I want to get his predictions for what he thinks Dwight Howard can do and what he thinks he may not be able to do. What could limit him this late in his career? Because Dwight Howard yesterday said, look, I'm, I feel like I could have my best year since, you know, my first couple of years in the league. He wants to get back to that place. And I think there's a lot of people that say, wow, can he do that? Can, can we be young again? Can we, can we get that youth back? That's what everybody wants, right? That's it for me. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for letting me nerd out at the beginning. And thanks for hanging with me through this Jeremy Lamb, Dwight Howard show. And thanks as always for listening to Locked On Hornets. Your support, your listening, uh, that's what keeps this show truly alive. And of course, the support that we get from the Locked On Podcast Network. So like them on Facebook, follow the Locked On Podcast Network Twitter account. Give them support too because... This, I mean, the people that have been with us from the beginning, uh, you know where we started and you know where we are right now. And so much of that has to do with you guys, but a lot of that too has to do with Locked On Podcast Network. They have revolutionized things for us this year and we could not be 
uh, more thankful for their support. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell a friend. That always helps. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts as we get closer to the season to buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We'll see you next week. For David, Doug, the whole crew here at Locked On Hornets. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.